Okay, uh, this is Erica Lees, and I'm here with Marvin Hecker. We are at the Spider House Ballroom on October 19th, 2014 at the Austin Archives Bazaar, and we are here to talk to Marvin about his years in Austin. Uh, so tell me, did you, are you originally from Austin? No, I'm originally from Northeast Texas. And um, What's the name of your town? I grew up in a little town called Gladewater, okay. uh, near Tyler and Longview. What was it that brought you to Austin? Well, um, when I was in college, I was in college in Houston at, at Rice University, and um, that was back during the late 60s, early 70s. And so if you, when you're in college in Houston, if you had wanted to have fun, you drove to Austin. And so we used to come up here and go to the Armadillo World Headquarters. Oh, wow. To see music and the Vulcan Gaslight Company mm -hmm. and, um, and all of those places. And, uh, you know, pretty much fell in love with it. It was kind of a mecca. And uh, when I got out of college, I worked for the University of Texas in the medical center in Houston uh, for their nursing program, uh, doing audiovisual work. And after three years of that, I heard about a job in Austin with the the UT Nursing System Administration and uh, talked my way into that job even though I didn't have the academic credentials because I wanted to move to Austin so badly. So we moved up here. My daughter Jennifer, who helped put this archives together, uh, was just a little baby at the time and we moved here, uh, bought our first house and shortly after that the university completely wiped out the part of the university I was working for. Uh, overnight in a, a controversial decision uh, they got protested and, and this and that but we all lost our jobs overnight oh, wow. and um, so here I was in Austin uh, with a job that paid much more than what I was academically qualified for so couldn't find another job here so we left uh, Austin went to Galveston for a year and then I was uh, working there in uh, John Seeley Hospital educating, uh, doing uh, continuing education for nurses and doctors. And a guy showed up with a video projector. This was before anybody really knew what big screen projectors were. And we were educating nurses with small monitors and things. And my boss said, you ought to go to the auditorium. This guy's got this projector. And we went and he had this picture up on a 25 foot screen. I got to talking to him. He was a good old boy. He was from Austin and was uh, just starting his business. And I just kind of sidled up to him and said, you know, if you ever need a salesman, I grew up in retail and I know electronics and, you know, I'd love to move back to Austin. You know? <laughs> so I didn't think anything of it. About two days later, he called and he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you. I said, oh, you need a salesman? He said, no, I need a business partner. And I'm coming down to meet with you and I want to have lunch with you. And he came down and had lunch and we started talking. And he started talking about a new business that had started in Austin called Mr. Gaddy's Pizza and how they were putting these big projectors in all their places and he was selling them to them and there was this guy named Willie Nelson who was also buying these from him and paying him to haul them up to Nashville, Tennessee as a present to Waylon Jennings and he had taken one to Malibu to Chris Christopherson's beach house and I thought he was a con man and he even pulled a Polaroid picture out of his pocket and said, this is my wife and I laying on Chris Christopherson's waterbed. I said, you know, that could be anybody's waterbed. <laughs> anyway, the whole story turned out to be true. I left my job, came up here, and we started a company in um, 1977, and we were the first people to sell um, 
big screen televisions. We were the first people when VHS first came out. We were the first people to sell VHS recorders. And so we started out doing both. Um, what was the name of your it, business? It, it was called Proline Video. Okay. And um, we started out, our first two customers were Mr. Gaddy's Pizza and Willie Nelson. And um, <clears throat> I did business with Willie for 15 years. Uh, we got to be good friends. And um, uh, through Willie, I, I got to know the people at Austin City Limits. And uh, our company uh, donated equipment to them for them to use for their shows and for um, uh, their parties and things. And in return, we got to go to all the tapings. And so uh, I got to meet a lot of entertainers, um, mostly backstage. And, and um, that was just a great experience. As a matter of fact, um, one of my great stories was that uh, during the mid-'80s, before the big uh, banking uh, bust, there were a couple developers here in Austin named Watson and Casey, and they were big in music. They were going to develop an entire entertainment complex along with Willie Nelson until everything busted. But they uh, recorded a concert here one time that was released commercially. It was Willie Nelson and Ray Charles and Stanley Jordan. And we were hired to do the playback afterwards for the artist so they could see the video uh, when it was over. But during the concert, we didn't have anything to do, so I hung around the green room, and at one point, Ray Charles and his manager came back, and uh, he and I sat together for 20 minutes, just the two of us, and talked. It was one of the biggest thrills of my life. What did you talk about? Uh, you know, he, he knew immediately when he walked in the room that someone was there. And he came over and he asked me who I was, and I told him, and he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm in the video business. I sell these big screen televisions and video recorders. He said, you know, you couldn't sell me a television, but I have three video recorders and I've seen every movie that's ever been made. He said, you ask me about any movie and I can tell you anything you want to know. I said, no, sir, I believe you. Anyway, uh, we talked about video a little bit and then about then a bunch of other people came back. Willie came back and some of the other artists, they were taking a break, they came in and Ray asked his handler to pour him a cup of coffee out of his thermos bottle that he had. And so he poured him the coffee and Ray said, I'm gonna pass my cup around. I want all of you to tell me what I drink in my coffee, which is some kind of liquor. And so he passed it around. It was months before it dawned on me I had taken a drink from Ray Charles' personal coffee. Because <laughs> but, you were focused on figuring yeah, out what was, was in it? Yeah, and all of us guessed, you know, sour mash whiskey and stuff. He said, no, no, none of that's right. It's Bowles Gin. And Bowles Gin was a gin that comes in a big crock with a stopper in it. Anyway, I told that story for many years and nobody believed me. And then when the movie Ray came out, uh, in the first scene in the movie, there on the piano is a big bottle of Bowles Gin sitting there. So I, I felt very vindicated by that. But that was a big thrill. And that's been one of the thrills of being in Austin is, um, you know, Austin's a place where there's a lot of very famous people floating around, but none of them are pretentious. You know, the, the, they're just other people. Uh, we also got into uh, renting equipment for a lot of political uh, events. As a matter of fact, Mark White, when he was governor, when he was attorney general, he was a gadget freak and he had a lot of stuff in his house. And when he moved into the governor's mansion, he had us move all his stuff and, and we kind of took care of all his audio and video while he was governor and stuff. But uh, it was just very, it's just been very interesting to be a part of that whole scene. Um, anyway, 
you know, the, I what I wanted to say about Austin is that I came here in 77, and just like getting into the electronics industry right when it was beginning to take off, I feel like I came here right when Austin was beginning to change. And that's all it's done since I've been here, it's gone through this huge change. Uh, being in business, we're able to see a lot of it from that perspective. We were, um, we did uh, Michael Dell's first executive briefing center when he started his company. Uh, we were, uh, we worked with Motorola in the early days uh, when they built all their fabs. We worked with Sematech and MCC and oh, wow. all, so all the high tech companies and saw all that explosion. IBM saw that explosion and also the transitions from an exploding market to kind of leveling off and and then diversifying and that kind of thing. So it's been, it's really been an interesting experience to be here during this period. And now it's kind of, we're in kind of another phase that I'm getting ready to retire. We've, you know, we've been through all our, our career and now we're starting to see our kids experience Austin. So like Jennifer uh, went to college here and uh, has uh, went away for a little while, but came back and uh, has really uh, become an integral part of the library system here at the university. And, and so through her, I'm able to see another part of the culture here just like this bazaar, you know, and if I had done this years ago, it would have all been uh, paid advertising and that kind of thing, but now through social media, it turned out this great, you know, this great turnout. Uh, anyway, that's just been kind of my perspective on Austin. You know, no, I can't go back and ask you a couple follow-up sure. questions. This is going all the way back to the beginning. Sure. So you mentioned that uh, when you were a student at Rice, you used to come up to Austin and go to the Armadillo World Headquarters right. and Vulcan Gas Company. Do you remember anything from those shows that you went to or what oh, it was yeah. that you loved about well, them? Well, I remember seeing Ravi Shankar, Shankar here, uh, and I had never experienced any kind of music like that. Um, yeah, I remember... Uh, uh, pretty distinctly those were back in the days of, uh, of black lights and uh, light shows where with overhead projectors and little dishes with water and oil in them to make patterns psychedelic patterns and things. Uh, yeah I remember going to uh, the Vulcan gas light and uh, seeing the 13th floor elevators uh, were a classic classic band and um, yeah um, the, the armadillo I remember as just being really unusual because in Houston most of the concert venues were pretty uh, formal buildings, you know, the music hall, the Coliseum, things like that. But the armadillo was a barn, it was like an airplane hangar and had dirt on the floor and it was just so different and the crowd was so different. Um, yeah, uh, matter of fact, a friend of mine that I went to college with knew Jim Franklin, the, art, the artist that drew all the armadillo posters. And on one of our trips up here, we happened to run into him, and he was on his way over to Zilker Park to drink beer. And so we bought a bunch of beer and went over and hung out in Zilker Park with Jim Franklin. Oh, wow. Ironically, he's now bought a piece of art from my son-in-law. <laughs> so everything goes, you know, full circle. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about drinking beer in Zilker Park with him? You know, I don't remember too much about it. Um, we were really young and, you know, pretty immature at the time. Um, I just remember, you know, I just remember how different Austin was from any place I had been. How was you it know? different? It was just, um, everybody was much more laid back, especially contrasted with Houston. 
everybody's kind of uptight all the time. And uh, it was just, you know, you have to put it in context of the time because it was the late 60s and everything was changing. So the whole sexual revolution was taking place, the whole drug scene was taking place, you know, music was mushrooming. And so it was like a fantasy to come here, really. You know, it's kind of like utopia. Here's a place where people are just laid back and nobody's hassling anybody. And, you know, have all, you know, in Houston, you, every night when you turn on the news, there were murders. But not in Austin at that time. It was very laid back. Um, it was kind of like, you, you know, dying and going to heaven. <laughs> it was, I mean, what more could you ask for, really? So we need to start wrapping up, but before we do, I wanted to ask you, what does being an Austinite mean to you? Well, um, <clears throat> you know, to me it means that you picked a place in Texas that has the highest intellectual level um, and um, a vibrant economy and a vibrant music scene. I mean, the combination you really can't find anywhere else in the state. You probably have to leave Texas to find that. And, um, you know, just me, it, it, uh, I've been very fortunate. You know, I, I didn't plan a lot of things in my life. So I ran into a great business opportunity. Uh, we had that business for 22 years and did, did well with it. Uh, met my second wife here. Uh, my son was born here in the birthing center at Brackenridge. And so I just feel I've, I've lived a lot of different places, but Austin's really my home. And, I just can't imagine why you would look, want to live anywhere else. You know, it's a great place. University spawns so much uh, activity. There's so, many, so much to do here. People are smart here. It's also a liberal center of the, of the state. I'm involved in politics. I'm a precinct chair of the Democratic Party, and it's just a great place to be. You know. Well, that sounds like a good time, place to wrap up. Um, I'd love to okay. talk to you later if there's time about your involvement in politics. And oh, okay. Like that. Thank you so much for taking All the time right. to talk to us you today. Bet.